0: Real quick, I just want to throw a a little tag on to the life group announcement. Uh, We do have limited scholarships available for that. So if if, uh, you you want to join one of the life groups, but you're like, wow, that's a little steep, just let us know. We we do have limited uh, resources that we can help out with that. So that's my only plug on that. Let's get right into what's most important today, and that is the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. You know, I'm so excited. Uh, Man, we just come off of a great series, The Time Is Now. You know, I know a lot of you guys have been motivated. God has really spoke to your hearts and, and your spirits, and you've been, you're excited to move forward. Some of you are still kind of like in that in-between stage. You're, you're, you're still trying to, one, you're still trying to fill me out as your pastor. Okay, I get that. Get over it. I'm your pastor. All right? That's how that goes. All right? Um, but, you know, I'm excited about the future that God has for us. And so, you know, this morning we're going to break right into uh, another uh, series called Jonah. Now, let's face it, you know, we've all, we basically know that story, you know, we've, we've got an understanding, an idea, you know, you know, you sat in Sunday school class with the old green felt boards, anybody do that right back in the day, you know, and, and the teacher's throwing up, you know, the, the Jonah and, and throwing up the whale and, and next thing you know, they're falling off the felt board and you know, ah, oh, whatever, thank God technology, correct? Yeah, yeah, really, Anyway, so we're going to break right into this uh, message series this morning. I'm excited about it. Um, We're going to get right into Jonah chapter 1 and uh, verses 1 through 3. You know, I believe that God speaks. I do. I still believe that God talks to us. I don't think that God never stopped talking. I don't believe there was a period in history where God just shut up. All right? I mean, some of you would like for your spouse to shut up sometimes. Okay, I get that. Maybe some of you like for your children sometimes to just say, "Oh, we're not supposed to say shut up though, all right? Be quiet, all right? But, you know, thank the Lord. Even when we want God to stay silent, guess what he does not do? He does not stay silent. And that annoys us sometimes. It definitely annoyed Jonah. And we're going to get into that in just a few minutes. But Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. Let's get right to the scripture. The word of the Lord came to Jonah Son of Amittai. Now again, the word of the Lord. I love that, right? God is speaking. All right, let's go over in verse two. It says, "God saying this." Okay, He says, "Go to the great city of Nineveh. I got a whole lot to pour in when we get into the city of Nineveh here shortly." But He says, "Go into the great city of Nineveh and preach against it." I, I, let me ask you this: Have you ever had to go to somebody and 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 kind of give them some bad news before? Have you? Okay, I'm glad I'm the only one. All right, it's not always fun, or or maybe not bad news because they're really not going to get bad news. They're actually going to get great news. But you'll understand why Jonah thinks it's bad news when we get into this here in just a few minutes. But he says, God's saying, "Go to the great city of Nineveh." This city's not really that great. I mean, God's calling it great, but you're going to understand here why Jonah's like, God, that that place is not great. He says, "Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach." Against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now let's get right into verse 3. But, oh man, here's a transitional time, right? God speaking, and then there's a but. Jonah did something totally different. It says, the scripture says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. All right? I think we've all kind of been there maybe a time or two in our life. Where we felt a pulling, a calling, a... Let's go this way. And you're like, no, let's go this way. You know. But, God said, but it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found the ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. How many knows it's impossible to flee from God? You cannot flee from, you can run as far as, you can run as hard as you want, you can run as far as you want. You can think that you have everything under control, but guess what? You have absolutely nothing in control. God has all things in control. God is all powerful, he's all knowing, he's got every plan, he's got everything laid out before you. We just don't like to always follow it, and that's the problem. So let's look at a couple meetings here this morning before we really get into it. Understand that this, Jonah is referred to uh, by historians and theologians as the reluctant prophet. The reluctant prophet, all right? Now, understand this. He was a prophet, and he was, you know, up to this point, he was pretty much doing everything that he was supposed to be doing for God, communicating God's word the way he was supposed to communicate. You know, we've all been there. Things are going good, right? Right? Everything's sailing just fine. Everything's rolling good. And then all of a sudden, God spoke a message to him that he was not okay with. And everything from that moment changed. But understand, Jonah is known as the reluctant prophet. But his actual meaning of his name is dove. All right, you need to understand that. Jonah the dove. That doesn't sound very, uh, it's boring to me, right? Jonah the dove, or considered as the peaceful one. Now, his father's name is is uh, the meaning behind it, which is Amittai, is actually meaning truth. So here you have a prophet who is the son of what? Truth. That's good. That's good. He's the son of truth, and he's the peaceful one, but we have a transitional moment here in that verse 3 what it says, But Jonah. Now, a lot of us in our life, we have those But Jonah moments. We have those moments where we know that God has spoken, we feel that God has spoken, but we did not like what God was trying to communicate. And so we have that moment and we're, you know, trying to flee from God. We're trying to flee from the message. We're trying to flee from whatever he's kind of pulling us to. Now understand this, Nineveh was the city that he was commanded to go to and preach to. You think to yourself, how hard, Jonah, could this be? How hard could it be for you to, I mean, that's what you do, all right? That's, that's your living. That's like, you know, God saying, Kevin, I need you to go to Pocomoke and, sit, you know, preach a, a message there. Yeah, that's what you do. That's your job, Jonah. You know, that's what God has called you to go and do, and he's totally against it. But you need to understand, Nineveh was a city that he was commanded to go to preach to, and it was the capital of Assyria, and he was commanded to go there. Nineveh was Israel's absolute in this moment. Nineveh, the Assyrians, was Israel's absolute worst enemy. And we're going to get into that in just a few minutes for you to understand. But let's go back to verse 1. The word of the Lord said to Noah, the son of Amittai. I love it because God speaks. I love it when God speaks. We don't serve a God who stays silent. We serve a God who's trying to do what? Pour into our lives. We serve a God who cares enough that when he sees us going in a direction that is not suitable, he brings people into our life to try to change that direction so that we then fall in line with what? His plan and will that he has for our lives. You know, I bet if every one of us in this room thought hard enough, we can probably think of a pivotal moment that has happened in our life spiritually where someone was used by God. To share the message and to bring a transition or to completely change us in who we currently were. So we see here that the word of the Lord came to Joseph, the son of Amittai. You know, John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us, in the beginning was the what? Word. And the word was with God. And the word, excuse me, and the word was God. And the word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. We need to understand that God speaks. And listen to this. When God speaks, things happen. Regardless of whether or not we want it to happen, when God speaks, when God tries to communicate to us, things happen. For instance, the creation of this universe. When God said, let there be what took place, whatever was that he wanted became a very reality. Did it not? Absolutely. So when God speaks... Things happen. We understand that uh, God spoke with Adam and Eve in, in the garden. He wanted what? He wanted a relationship. He wanted to communicate. So why does God speak to us? Because he wants a relationship with us. That's why. Think about this. If you're not talking to someone for a period of time, why are you not talking? Because you're trying to break that relationship with them. You see, God speaks to us every day. He speaks to us in his word. That's why his word is given to us. Some of you this morning might say, you know, Pastor Kevin, I've not had that Joe in a moment where God said, I need you to go. And I heard God audibly. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never heard God audibly. I've never looked at a bush and it burned and God told me to do something. I've never heard that. But what I have heard is a sense in my spirit when God has allowed his Holy Spirit to lead and to direct me into different paths of life. What I have heard is the guilt or what we like to call conscience. But what I like to say is the Holy Spirit speaking to us when we're about to get into a situation and God says, oh, wait a minute. I don't think this is healthy, one, for you physically, but most importantly, spiritually. Spiritually. And the other greatest thing when God speaks to us every day is through his word. His word is spoken by him. It's a verbally inspired word to us every day. A lot of people say, well, I've never heard God. Well, obviously then you've never read your Bible because that's God speaking to you. That's God's encouragement for your life. That's God trying to build you up and become the man and the woman that he desires you to be. So what is so encouraging about this, this passage of scripture in, in Jonah 1 and 1? It says that the word of the Lord. What is encouraging to me is, is this. The word of the Lord is speaking to you and I today. God is trying to get our attention. Throughout history, God speaks in so many different ways and circumstances maybe that you've been in. Maybe you've had somebody come to you and say, you know what, I'm concerned about you. And So what's going on? I want to be there to help you out. That's God speaking. It's God speaking while you're in that moment of worship and you just feel his holy presence all around you and you feel that comfort begin to dwell up inside of you and you know that even though you're going through many of life's difficulties and many of life's problems, that's God's spirit speaking, saying, listen, I've got all things in control and I'm not going to let you go and, and be alone in this situation, but I am actually here carrying you through it. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. See, God speaks in so many ways. We need to understand, though, that we need to get to the point where we want to say, you know what, Lord? When you speak, I want to be obedient. When you speak, I want to be obedient. When you tell me to do something, God, I want to follow through. So much, you know, we, we sit there, and and, and I'm, a, I'm guilty as this is just anyone else. When you get that thought, that feeling that you're supposed to do something, and you you realize, oh, maybe I need to step back from the situation first before I step out and really understand what I'm about to get into. That sometimes could be the worst possible thing we could do. And some of you are thinking, whoa, what, Pastor Kevin, why are you saying that? Because the moment we step back and we try to rationalize what we're getting ourselves into when maybe God is calling us into a particular ministry or God is wanting you to be an encouragement to someone or God is wanting you to show some generosity towards someone. We begin to rationalize and justify why it's not of God rather than that must be God speaking to me. And so what happens is not only are you killing the blessing that God has in store for you, but you're also destroying the blessing that you could be offering someone else and that God is using you as that instrument. The word of the Lord will come to us. That's the great news of it. God will speak to us. But the challenging part is that when God speaks, number one, God will often ask you to do things that you do not want to do. I, I'm going to say that again. Oftentimes, I want this to sink in, all right? God wants you to laugh and smile here, and some of you are saying, I'm not, I don't want to do this. God will often ask you to do things you don't want to do. It's kind of like, I mean, we got parents in here, you got kids, especially if you got the toddler age. I, you know, I don't think it even matters. Even the adult kids sometimes can be stubborn and, You know, as I know I am with my parents at times, you know. And, uh, you know, when we are told, and and this is the natural part about us, when we are told to do something, sometimes we just don't want to do it. Don't you dare tell me what to do. I am a grown man, Mom. Don't give me advice. My six-year-old is like, Dad, don't tell me what to do. I am six. I have all the answers. You know, yesterday, yesterday we were, uh, we were outside playing. It was beautiful out. It's going to be great out today. I encourage you to get outside. It will be wonderful for you. And uh, we were outside. We were playing. And, and you know, the night before, this is a bad parental moment. Um, I allowed Carter to stay up until like 11 o'clock. We're playing Minecraft. All right? He likes Minecraft. I'm starting to get addicted to it myself. You know, we're building all these little things. And next thing you know, time gets away from you. It's like 11 o'clock at night. He's got to be up at 8 a.m. for a basketball game. You know, things are going downhill. And so we get him up, and we're at the basketball game, and he's doing fine. But then we're outside in the afternoon, and that tired, cranky moment sets in where it didn't matter what I had to say. He was going to do the exact opposite. You know that moment where you say, okay, you know, one, <laughs> Two. Two and a quarter, two and a half, two and three quarters. And you're like, I can't stretch this two out far enough. You know, finally I just looked at him and I looked at my wife. I was like, the best thing for all of us right now is for me to step away from this situation before I say something and do something that I'm going to regret. You know what I mean? And I had to reflect back and I go, you know what, it's probably my fault because I let him stay up so late. Bad parental moment, right? Right. But how many times, I wonder, does God ask us to do something and we act just like that? We don't want to. We're kicking and screaming. We're throwing a temper tantrum. God, I'm not doing it. You can't make me do it. It's kind of what Jonah was going through in this moment. Verse 2 says, God says to him, go to the great city of Nineveh. Wait, God, do you not know what, the, what you're saying about this city? You're calling it great, but God it's not great and here's why it's not great. You guys need to understand a little bit of back history here about the Assyrians and Nineveh you know uh, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians and and uh, uh the people feared the Assyrians because you know it was rumored that you know when when uh, not rumored, but it was actually true that when the Assyrians would go in and, and take captive of a city or or another country, they would go in and and and, and they would kill everyone that they could get their you know. They would just kill people. And, and whoever they didn't kill, if there was women, they would rape them and then kill them. If there was children, they would do the same. And that's sickening. And so, you know, cities and countries, they were fearful of the Syrians. So Jonah, in this moment, you can't help but feel just a tad bit, I get that, Jonah. I understand why now you don't want to go to Nineveh. I mean, this is a dangerous thing that God is asking him to do. And so here he is, God saying, go to Nineveh. And we understand in verse 3, Jonah saying, but, you know, but Jonah, hey, you know, you know I'm, I'm not going there. But Jonah, what do you do? He ran away. So understand a little bit more here. Not only did they go in and they kill people, they raped the women, they did the same to the children, and then they would kill all of them. But if the men were still alive, they would take them as prisoner. And literally, I don't mean to gross you out, but they would skin them alive. Then they would bury them up to their neck in the desert in the sand. And imagine the torture that alone brought and waited for them to die. But not only that, they took their tongues, stretched them out, drove a stake through it. You need to understand why Jonah said, hey, I ain't going. I mean, how many of us in this room right now, if you knew that was happening, would voluntarily say, yeah, Lord, use me? You know, Jonah gets the bad rap all the time. But you need to understand exactly why he chose what he chose. And so what they would do is they would take the steak, they would drive it through the tongue. And so the men would go insane because they were thirsty. They were, they were baking in the sun. They were miserable. And then they would die. So what oftentimes would happen when it was rumored that the Assyrians were coming, towns, cities, countries would literally commit suicide before. So they didn't have to go through that torture, you see, the word of the Lord comes to us sometimes, and we don't always like when God speaks to us what He has to say because we don't. It might bring us out of our comfort zone. It might make us feel a little uncomfortable. I understand personally why Jonah said, "Hey, God, you know what? No, nah, it ain't happening. I'm not going." Perhaps we can relate in different ways. Maybe some of someone in in um, our life has wronged us. You know, I think we've all been there where people have talked about us, wronged us, done something to hurt a family member or a close friend, maybe done something to hurt you personally, maybe on the job, and, and you feel this, um, this, this feeling inside of you that, you know what, God's calling me to forgive them. Maybe it's a relationship within your family and you've not spoken to this person for years or, or weeks or months or whatever it may be, and... And God's saying, you know what, it's time to mend that relationship. It's time for you to be that bigger person. But we have that but Jonah moment and we run away from it because we justify it by saying, but God, you don't understand what they have done, what they have said, how they have treated me or how they have treated other people. And so we completely shut off what God could potentially do and say, you know what, I've got a better understanding about it, Lord, than you do. That's what Jonah had in that moment. You know, one of the things that does baffle me here just a little bit is that Jonah is a prophet of God. Jonah should have known better that God would not put him into a situation that, was going to, that would cause him to fail. God was not going to do that. I wonder how many times God had spoken to Jonah previously for him to go about and do something. And, and Jonah answered and did it. And the answer and the result was wonderful. But in this moment, Jonah had a better understanding in his mind than what God did. And so he chose not to do it. So one of our thoughts that we need to understand is this. Look, God will often ask us sometimes to do things that we just don't want to do. Second thing here is we can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. Jonah said, look, you know, I don't want to go. In fact, I'm going to go to Tarsus instead. I'm going to do my own thing. I've got a better plan. Surely God can use me there just like he was going to use me in Nineveh. All is going to be well. You know how many times I wonder, and and I think about my own life, um, that when God has led us to go a a specific direction or given us a specific job or, or to do something to accomplish for him, that if we don't like it, We try to rationalize in our mind why we can't do it. And so therefore what we do is we find something to distract us so we no longer have to feel that guilt. So we can become what? Numb to the voice and the calling of God. This is what Jonah was trying to do here. He was trying to make himself become numb to the voice and the calling of God. Some of you have heard for three weeks that the time is now. And you've almost got to the point where you've gotten numb over it. And you came here this morning thinking you were not going to hear another message that was going to be progressively thinking or forward thinking. Well, God is not done speaking to you yet. He's still trying to get your attention. Because God is talking and so many of us are having that but Jonah moment. And instead of going to where God is calling us to go into... To go into the destiny of which God is calling us to go into. We have rationalized it. We have justified our actions. We have everything planned out. And we're not doing it because we have the better understanding, God, than what you do. You see, Jonah in verse 3 says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord, then headed to Tarshish. Then he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard. And he sailed for Tarsus. So why, why there? Why, why did he want to go there? You know, understanding this, that God said basically, you, you, I want you to go to east to Nineveh. But he's saying, no, I'm going opposite. I'm going west to Tarshish. What you need to understand, it's 2,500 miles between the two. He was running. He was thinking, I'm going to make this entirely impossible for God to redirect me. Now, how many of you know that there's nothing impossible for God? You cannot redirect God. When God sets his mind, guess what he's going to do? He's going to accomplish it. I don't care how hard you try, he's going to do it. Some of you have been running and running and running and running from what God wants you to do. I'm going to just tell you, just give up. Stop running. You're wearing yourself out. You're wearing your family out. You need to just take a hold of what God has in store and go after it. You know, the word of the Lord comes to us. Here's what I want you to do. And somewhere along the way, months, weeks, years goes by and we're still fighting saying, God, I don't want to go the direction that you want me to go in. I say that to say this to remind you and to bring to your memory, your memory, excuse me. What is it that God has called you to do in your past that you're still running from? Think about that for a moment. What are the things that God has laid on your heart for some time? And you—and and this is what's interesting. You, because I know, I know this because some of you have actually told me this. That when you come into church, it's like the feelings get stirred back up again. And then when you walk out, you're like, whew, okay, good. Now I can get back to life and get numb again. I ain't got to worry about it until next Sunday. <laughs> Stop running. Stop running. Do you know what joy there is in life when you are doing the will of the Lord? It's a joy that's unspeakable and full of what? Glory. It's a kindness. It's a gladness. It's an excitement that you can't comprehend. You can't even describe. When you are in the perfect will of God, when you are in the steps that he has laid before your life when you're following after his plan and will for your life you cannot even describe the will or the excitement that's inside of you or the joy that's inside of you to other people the, the, the words are and I've heard this too I just I don't know what to tell you Pastor Kevin it's just wonderful many of us have been there some of you it's been a long time since you've been there and you've desired it you've been praying for it you've been wanting God to redirect your path and God is saying look I've been trying I've been trying, but you just all you want to do is find another ship going another direction. All you're wanting to do is for me to take you away from the will that I have for you. Because you think you have a better understanding and a better plan. When we disobey God, or disobey the commands of God intentionally or even unintentionally, what we are doing is drifting. We are separating ourselves from him. That's the Jonah in all of us. And the third thing we need to understand is this. God may send a storm sometimes to grab our attention. Verse 4 of the scripture goes on to say, then, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. So you need to understand sometimes that God allows things to happen to get our attention. Jonah thought he got on the ship, he was sailing, it was smooth sailing. Look, I, God's gonna find another will for me in my life, another plan for me. He's not gonna have me go back to where I need it because th- does God not understand what those people do to people like me? You know, I'm gonna go there, I won't even get like three words out and they're probably gonna have me You know, skinned alive in the desert, up to my neck in sand with a, a stake run through my tongue. Does God not understand that's what's going to happen here? You see, what we do is we allow our circumstance or the potential circumstance to become greater than who our God is. He allowed fear to become greater than God. He allowed uncertainty to become greater and more powerful than God. And that's what we do. When we feel that God is calling us to do something or lead us in a a direction and we don't like the direction that God is leading us into so we have our own plan and our own agenda because we say, we're more powerful than you, Lord. That's not how it works. So what happens is God brings us into a situation sometimes to grab our attention. It's as if, you know, Jonah was going to walk into Nineveh and say, hey, look, guys, I'm a Hebrew, and we'll tell you about God. And next thing you know, he know, in his mind, he was going to be murdered. He was going to be tortured. He was going to be another martyr for God. Verse 8 in this chapter goes on to say, so they asked him, tell us, who was responsible for making all this trouble for us? Think about this for a second. He's in this boat with these guys that he doesn't know anything about, doesn't know them, there's no relationship. He gets in this boat, and this great storm comes up, and trouble's brewing, and these men, they knew what they were doing, they weren't like me out here, okay, in my little Carolina Skiff, all right, I'm like, oh, I gotta go back, you know, no, they knew what they were doing. But the winds and, 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 the, and the storm became so great, so powerful that fear kind of came in them. And so the, it actually says that they, they kind of did their own little lottery thing and they took straws. And imagine how God set this up. I mean, how did this exactly happen? I, it had to be a God thing. They're taking straws and, oh, it come up to be Jonah. It's your fault. And all actuality it was Jonah's fault. But how, you know, people say, well, that's dumb luck. You know what I mean? That's you know, God working it all out, right? So, you know, they're like, tell us, you know. So they asked and tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From, you know, from what people are you? And he's like, yeah, I'm a Hebrew. I, um, I preach God's message. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Instantly they're like, oh, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. You've done something wrong. Right? Verse 10, this terrified them. So they asked, what have you done? They knew he was wrong in the moment. You know, it goes on to say they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So here they are in this moment. The storm is brewing. Things are getting crazy, you know. And Jonah realized something. Verse 12. He says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. Jonah realized in this moment, by his disobedience, and understand this. I want you to understand this. Delayed disobedience is still disobedience. Do you understand me? Delayed disobedience is still disobedience. It's like when when I told Carter, one, two, two and a quarter, two and a, you know. The boy was being disobedient. And the same thing happens with us. What we do, not now, God. Not now. Later on, when my schedule, my agenda clears up, when the kids are growing up, Lord, that's when I'll do this. Do you know what happens when later on comes? It becomes later on again, doesn't it? Not now, God. My schedule is too busy. Too much going on at work. Maybe when I retire, God, You know, and then it goes on and on and on and on. Jonah realized everything that was happening here was his fault. He realized his disobedience now was not only putting himself in danger, but those he was surrounded with now was in danger. Let me ask you this. Who loves your family? Raise your hand. Every one of you better raise your hand, I promise. Why do you want to put them at jeopardy? because of your insecurity, because of your laziness? Why do you want to potentially put your own family, those who you love, in a situation so that God might have to place you in to get your attention? These men were incredible, though, because here he's saying, you know what, throw me out, throw me overboard, and they're like, no, no. If I were them, I'd have been like, dude, you're gone. You gotta go, I gotta get home. These men were were exceptional in this moment because they're like, no, 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 no. Let's throw our cargo out. Let's throw all this stuff. The very thing that brings them their livelihood, they're saying, let's get rid of it for this person. When Jonah himself was so self-absorbed with his own dealings, here you had men who did not serve God who were looking out for his best interest. While all the... The time Jonah, responsible for going to Nineveh to look out for the best interest of those people, was not willing to do it. It's amazing sometimes how the non Christian can be more compassionate than the Christian, isn't it? You see, we get caught up, and it's called cultural Christianity Christianity by name only, but no action following. That becomes an issue in the church. You, pastor Kevin, that's kind of harsh. Well, I'm your pastor. I'm your shepherd. I have to be harsh sometimes. And don't and understand this. While I'm saying it, I'm looking at me as well. But we get caught up in cultural Christianity. You know, oh, yeah, God, you know, I go to church and I sit there or, I, you know, I pay my tithe or <laughs> Maybe I go to church. And I don't pay my tithe. I don't, you know, I'm kind of disobedient. God, when I get more money, I'll be more obedient. You know that delayed disobedience thing. Remember that's still what disobedience. I didn't get very many amens on that. Okay, so <laughs> I'll get an email later or two on that one. So anyway, so what happens is, is you know, we get into this cultural Christianity, and we think we have the better understanding. God, you know what, I go to church. You know, I surround myself with good people. You know, I, I, I give when, when it's time to give. I worship God, but man, when I get out of here, don't expect me to do any more than that. Because Don't interrupt my agenda because I've got to make that money. Don't interrupt my agenda because I've got uh, my own selfish pleasures and endeavors that I need to get into. And so we get caught up in cultural Christianity. You know, I, I remember when you look in the book of Acts, you begin to read, through Acts, uh, I think it's like chapter 6, 7, 8, where the, the early church, what did they do? They, be, they understood what true Christianity was about. It says that they sold all of their belongings, everything they had, and they began to give one another to support one another. So what are you saying, Pastor Kevin? I need to go sell everything I have to give. No, what I'm saying here is our hearts are, are disobedient. Our hearts have become corrupt. We've got to the place where we're thinking about only ourselves. Rather than looking at what we're truly supposed to do, and that is one another. What is the great commission? That is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ through all the ends of the earth, regardless of what it may cost us. We don't like what it costs us. And so we clam up on that. But Jonah, in this moment, realized that everything that was happening around him was his fault. All this bad stuff that was going on, it was his fault. And he told me, he said, look, throw me over. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. And so they continued to throw all their belongings over and, and all this stuff was going on. And then it wasn't getting any better. Why it wasn't getting any better? Because Jonah was still on the course of disobedience. He didn't have the pivotal moment yet where he was saying, I'm going to redirect myself from going against God's will to now redirect myself to where I'm going in God's will so it got so bad that these guys who were compassionate for a moment go hey you know what you got to (laughs) go over he goes and you know what happened instantly it calmed everything calmed for them then we get into point number four and that is this Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what was needed Verses 15, 16, and 17 talk all about that. But Jonah's worst nightmare was what was needed. goes on to say, you know, we have the felt board, you know, deal going on when you're in Sunday school, that a big old whale came and swallowed him up. The Bible doesn't say whale, it just says big fish, you know. And then, you know, he lit a candle and three days later it vomited him out of his mouth, you know. I don't know that he lit a candle in there, okay. But, because he was reading his scrolls, you know what I'm talking about, the cartoons, Right. But here's what happens. Throws him over. He's in this fish. Three days later, it vomits him up. That's disgusting, isn't it? His worst nightmare is happened, but it's exactly what was needed. You see, sometimes we go through life's greatest struggles, and it's not because of other people's decisions. It's not even because God has allowed it to happen. It's because we have chosen for those things to happen through our disobedience. Some of us right now may be facing what we consider as nightmares financially in your life. You're you're going through a a huge nightmare right now. Or maybe within relationships, you're going through a a nightmare right now. Your marriage is breaking apart. It's a nightmare right now. Maybe your career is falling apart. Your business is crumbling. It's a nightmare right now. Physically, physically. Things are happening. It's a nightmare right now. Things are going on and you're not happy about them. I'm not saying that everything that bad happens in our lives, God's allowing it because he's trying to get our attention. But I do believe that God does allow certain things to happen in our life to grab our attention. And for some of you, I think God's been trying to get your attention for some time. Some of you, maybe God hasn't got to the point where He's trying to get your attention, and He's giving you a last ditch effort right now before potentially something catastrophic could happen in your life. This is not i I'm not preaching a, a fearful message here. I'm trying to give you an encouragement that God has greater things in store for you. God has greater things in store. You think life is good and you don't want it to get messed up by following God's plan. But God is saying, you're messing it up by not following my plan. We're going to get later on into this series on a couple different aspects of it. But what you need to understand, do not allow your past to dictate your future. Do not allow the circumstances that you think you're about to get into dictate the future that God has for you. Understand, when God speaks, we must, we must obey if we continue to delay him anymore if we continue to to push away any longer what blessing are you missing out on what blessing are those that you are that God has intended for you to 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 minister to what are they missing out on I want you to stand with me this morning we understand that God speaks. We see it all through Scripture. We see it in, in different aspects of history. I see, I've seen it in my life where God has spoken. I've shared many times with you, when, especially when I, I, I felt the calling to, to step into the ministry, how God spoke through me through a time of fasting. God speaks, and he speaks to our hearts and our minds. He speaks to our spirits. He does it in a way that is compassionate to lead us into the direction that he wants for our life. I'm going to ask you this question this morning, and this is the challenging aspect of the message. And that is this. What has God spoken to you that you've ignored far too long? What has God spoken to you today or or in the past where you have just been that delayed disobedience for far too long? Long. See, Jonah had a moment where everything changed. He had a moment where he realized, it was a pivotal moment, where he realized that it was his fault. This morning you need to understand, your disobedience is your fault. Your lack of following the direction and the will and the plan that God has in store for your life is your fault. The situations maybe that you have put your family in, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's your fault. But you know what is, what can happen? God can change it all around. Through what? Your obedience. For Jonah, that's what happened. He understood that he was about to put himself into a bad situation only to make it good again. God is saying, look, I'm trying right now to get your attention. For three weeks I've been telling you the time is now. Now I'm telling you, listen, listen. I'm throwing every sign up that I possibly can. I want to use you. You're gonna be pivotal in your family for those to come to Christ. You're gonna be pivotal in the workplace for those to come to Christ. You're gonna begin a new ministry in the church for those to come to Christ. I wanna do great things through you, but we have to become obedient. We have to be like in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, I want to ask you that question. Or I want to ask you this question, rather. Who is willing to say, Here I am, Lord, send me? That's the challenge this morning. Who's willing to say, yes, Pastor Kevin, I'm going to raise my hand, I'm going to say, here I am, Lord, send me. God, I have wasted enough of your time and my time. Here I am, Lord, send me. I may not understand where you're trying to take me to, but God, here I am, Lord, send me. I've got talents and abilities, Lord, that you want to do and use. Here I am, Lord, send me. You know what, maybe this morning you don't know who this Jesus Christ is that we serve and we've worshiped here. Maybe you don't have that relationship with God the Father this morning. Before you leave here, I want to give you that opportunity to say, you know what, I want to make that commitment to Jesus. So then I can say, here I am, Lord. Send me. See, God is wanting to use you. God is wanting to move in your life. God has great plans for you. God has a a plan and a will that is so mind-blowing. It's incredible. He wants you to have that joy that's unspeakable and full of his glory. He wants you to have that kindness and that happiness. But it only comes when we are obedient, So today, if that's you and you want to say, you know what, here I am, Lord, send me. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I want you to step out from where you're at and I want you to come down here to this altar because I want to pray with you. I want you to pray to God and give that prayer and say, God, send me. This is your call. This is your opportunity. This is your challenge. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to step out. And then, if you don't know who this Jesus Christ is, And you want to make that commitment this morning to him. I'm opening this altar time with you as well. Step forward, come and see me because I want to lead you to Christ today.